0: Visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: The same thing has been happening in Dallas over the last three years or so, And we're seeing that in San Antonio as well. So yeah, markets change. They're not static. Nothing in real estate is static for that matter.
2: Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try SmartMove tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how SmartMove can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with SmartMove's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with SmartMove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to TenantScreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening, With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. First off, hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Sunday. Special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday. You know what we do here, but just as a refresher, we will help you hone or acquire a skill that will help you in your real estate endeavors. With us today, talk about the skill of how to find and invest in the best real estate markets. Marco Santarelli, How are you doing, Marco?
1: Doing great, Joe. I'm glad to be here. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, and I'm glad that you're glad to be here because we're glad that you're here. And a little bit about Marco. He is an investor. He's a best-selling author and the founder of Narada Real Estate Investments. He's a nationwide provider of turnkey investment property and has been one since 2004, and he's based in Orange County. He's the host of the Top Rated Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast as well, and you recognize his name because you're a loyal listener, episodes 111, 1012, and 1425. Those are the three episodes he's been on. He's back, and he's here to share with us how to find and invest in the best real estate markets. First though, Marco, you want to give the best ever listeners just a little bit of a refresher and then we'll dive right into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So to make a very long story short, I did buy my first rental when I was 18, around the time when I could qualify for financing. And that's essentially when the writing was on the wall. But I wanted to invest in real estate because I looked around and I came to the realization that I didn't want to struggle financially. And and that was the situation with my mother because my parents got divorced when I was 16 And I ended up living with my mother and my brother, and she had to work two jobs pretty much all week long, and I recognized how much work she was putting in, and I didn't want to be the person that kind of lived that same life or lifestyle at the time. So I decided that the only way to make money is business and real estate, and that's the course I took on both fronts. So I bought my first rental, held it, made the mistake of selling it years later, but I did walk away with some great equity, but that was a lesson learned. And then you fast forward to 2003, I continued with my real estate career, but went full time and put the pedal to the metal and and acquired 84 doors in nine months early on in 2004. And then just continued from there. But to wrap up your question, it was the same time that I started this business to help other real estate investors invest in single families, duplexes, fourplex to create that passive income, create wealth and become financially free. And so here we are today.
2: So you work with investors who are looking to purchase turnkey investment property and have been doing that for almost a decade and a half. So describe to us just the typical customer of yours, and then let's go into how you help them find and invest in the best real estate markets.
1: Coincidentally, our ideal client is very similar to yours, with the exception that you're talking to people. Who are looking to participate in a larger real estate deal, like an apartment complex. So they are partners in the deal with you. But the key is, or the similarity is that they want to be real estate investors. They want to be passive real estate investors. They want to create wealth and they want to create passive income. So you can choose the large real estate route, which is apartments, or you can choose the smaller real estate route, be a direct investor, own those single families, those duplexes and fourplexes. And that's really... The wheelhouse or the space that we're in is that direct ownership of these cash flowing rental assets. And the end goal is the same. Just the vehicle is just slightly different, but it's the same asset class.
2: So when you're working with them and you're helping them identify the best real estate markets, how do you structure that conversation?
1: Well, it all starts with what we call a strategy session. We want to really find out where that investor is today and where they want to go. So some people will refer to that as their goals, but you take that and turn it into a roadmap and then you break that roadmap into specific milestones and criteria. That criteria is the driving factor that helps determine what markets you're in, what neighborhoods you should be in based upon your interests, your goals and your risk profile. And also the types of properties you're going to put into your portfolio. And that is not black and white. It could be a combination of single families and fourplexes and maybe apartment syndications. And who knows, maybe there's a sprinkling of investing in notes, just having promissory notes.
2: What are the two extremes of stances that an investor might have in terms of, I assume it's uber conservative compared to young. I have a lot of risk. So if you have someone on each end of the spectrum, what type of markets would you suggest for both of those individuals based on those extremes?
1: Well, there's really two answers to that question, and they're different. You're talking about extremes of investors. First and foremost, there's the type of investor. Really, there's three answers to your question because you have passive real estate investors that want to invest and just take the income and grow the wealth. Then you have active investors who like to roll up their sleeves, swing a hammer, and fix and hold or fix and flip property. The next level down is you have investors who are more speculators in nature, the borderline gamblers, and they want to be focused on hyper growth markets. And they're essentially chasing after appreciation, which is not the way to invest, in my opinion. And then you've got those who are saying cash flow is king. I'm investing for cash flow, but I'm going to buy smart and right and let the equity and growth in the property happen naturally over time because that's what's happening in that market. And then you can break that down even further into a third layer, third level of investor type. And then you have those people who are focused on cash flow markets. And then you have those people who are focused on markets that have more growth potential. And of course, then there's the hybrid between the two where you have growth and growth potential combined with a moderate amount of return in terms of cash flow, cash on cash return, etc.
2: Will you associate some markets to some of those examples just so we get some context for what markets would fit into certain categories?
1: Yeah, for sure, Joe. So we're talking big picture here. So we classify markets, generally speaking, into three kinds. And whenever we take on a market, we're in 22 markets right now. So we have at any given time, 100 to 200 properties available for sale, cash flowing from day one. We call these turnkey rentals. And we classify them in three categories cash flow markets, growth markets, and then what I mentioned before is the hybrid market, which is a combination of those two. So, to give you some examples, cash flow markets today, because let's face it, markets don't stay static, they do change over time. We've seen this especially in Atlanta, we've seen it especially in Dallas to a lesser degree, but same thing. But, cash flow markets would be like Birmingham, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee. Those have predominantly been cash flow based markets. Then you've got growth markets where you're seeing above average appreciation rates compared to its historical norm. And if the trend is there and will continue to be there for one to three years, then we classify that market as a growth market. It's basically going to give you more growth and equity in terms of appreciation. That would be Atlanta, that would be Dallas, to a large degree, Houston, San Antonio. So, those are examples of those types of markets. Now, all these markets I've mentioned were in those markets. Now, hybrid markets are Indianapolis, the outskirts of Chicago, the metropolitan area. Jacksonville, Florida is pretty much a hybrid market. Kansas City is a hybrid market, although it's experienced a lot of growth here in the last two, three years.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at each of these markets, let's pick the cash flow market category. Have there been any markets that over the time that you've been really focused on this, have jumped in and out of that category? Yes,
1: they do change. Like most markets don't change and don't change quickly, fortunately, because real estate is kind of a slow moving asset class. Mm-hmm. But we were in Atlanta almost from the very beginning in 2004, 2005. It was. For the longest time, just a sleeper market. It was not necessarily boring, quote unquote, but it was boring enough to be a great, stable cash flow market. And then somewhere around 2012, Atlanta just took off like a rocket. Inventory dropped. It was hard to find good inventory on all levels of real estate from your retail higher end markets to even your low end 40, 50, $60,000 properties. It was just being squeezed. So inventory was tight, demand was strong, pushing prices up, so we saw this strong appreciation in Atlanta, and usually that appreciation, at least with residential one to four unit properties, it far outstrips the rents, which means that it grows faster than the rental income grows. And so now you start gaining this differential between the two, the delta, and that squeezes your cap rate, it squeezes your cash on cash return. So Atlanta went from being essentially a cash flow market, quickly becoming a growth market, And still to this day, it's hard to get inventory there, and numbers are really tight. The same thing has been happening in Dallas over the last three years or so, and we're seeing that in San Antonio as well. So yeah, markets change. They're not static. Nothing in real estate is static, for that matter.
2: You're in 22 markets. What markets would you stay away from, assuming that the variables in play currently are how they'll be in the future for those markets?
1: Well that is a fantastic question. So markets to stay away from we could probably have a podcast episode on that question alone. But for the first thing I'm going to say about that are markets that are experiencing depression, lost population meaning their net migration is negative and has been negative for years meaning that is the trend because you need people in the market and more people coming in or more people growing there organically to sustain the demand on real estate. So the people who rent your properties have to be people who live there and work there. So if you see negative migration, that's a bad sign. You probably want to do really good due diligence or stay away from that market. Same thing with jobs. You want to see positive job growth, job stability, and a diverse economy. If you don't see that, that may be a market you should avoid because let's face it, there's so many other markets you can choose from and the United States is such a large market, geographically speaking, that it's really made up of over 400 metropolitan statistical areas and probably over 600 if you include micro markets. So there's a lot to choose from and this is why you shouldn't necessarily be investing in your so-called backyard is because odds are there are better opportunities in other markets if you just look around and start to look at things such as job diversity, the economy, growth, population, housing demand, and all that good stuff. So stay away from markets that have negative factors like that. And then if you want to kind of break it down a little bit more granularly, I would stay away from sub markets and neighborhoods within markets that are not that great, that are not providing you with solid returns and solid locations. Here's what I'm thinking as I'm talking. I'm kind of tripping over this a little bit because what I'm thinking of are the investors that make the mistake of buying rentals that are 40, 50, maybe $60,000 for a single family home. Because often what we find is that those markets may not be so great, but more specifically the sub markets and neighborhoods they're investing in are the markets you want to stay away from because that $50,000 property probably will stay a $50,000 property 10 years from now because it probably was a $50,000 property 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So choose wisely. It's not just about the market. It's also about the neighborhood as well.
2: Thinking of the major cities, and I'll I'll include Huntsville, Birmingham, like that type of level and up in terms of population in the United States. Let's just broadly think about all the cities. You come across a million dollars. Who knows how you came across it, but it's an extra million bucks. And you have to invest it in turnkey rentals in the United States. But there's a catch. The catch is you can invest it in any market in the US. The catch is that there are five markets that you've got to cross off your list. You would never, ever, ever invest in those five markets, but they've got to be major cities. What are the five markets that you must cross off your list before you actually pick the market that you want to invest in?
1: That's a good question. Very interesting. So, Joe, do these markets have to be ones that I would consider otherwise?
2: No, they can just be five major cities that you wouldn't consider. So the first five off your list.
1: Well, if I wouldn't consider them right from the get-go, then that's easy because there's many of those markets. Okay. And I'll just rattle off some names. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C., parts of New Jersey. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I can tell you what all these markets have in common. Yeah, please. If you look at these markets, you'll see Seattle, Washington is another one. They're very, very expensive. And I want to say overpriced to the point of their bubble markets. And the problem there is this. It's what I talked about before. If you have properties that are so expensive, you have two problems. One is The ratio of what those rental units, whether it's an apartment complex or more specifically single family homes, what they rent for relative to the purchase price or market price of that property is so out of whack. It's so out of line that there's no way you can get a decent rate of return, if at all, on those properties without putting a large down payment but then you're not really using your capital property. You're not leveraging your capital. You're not getting the greatest rate of return. So these are very expensive markets. And so number one, you don't get the right cap rate, the cash on cash returns and everything else. Number two, because they've had such a huge run up, there's greater potential for there to be a pullback or a turn where that real estate market turns and you see the equity and the property values come down. So that means that, The downside risk is higher in those markets than in a more stable market where you see the cycle in that market, appreciation, depreciation, be more like a soft wave as opposed to a roller coaster. That's the problem with these expensive markets is they're out of whack, they're overpriced. Often they're not landlord friendly and it's hard to actually get a rate of return. Besides, you can't leverage your investable capital as far in those markets as you can in some of these more stable, diversified markets.
2: On the flip side, that million dollars is split up into four chunks of $250,000. You must invest $250,000 in four different markets. Which four markets do you choose right now?
1: Well, if that's a personal question you're asking me what I would do, then... Okay, so I would probably pick two markets that are growth-based, meaning that they are get the cash flow, but I'll still have strong appreciation potential. And then I'll pick two that are more stable markets, the quote unquote boring markets that are cash flow based. So I may pick a market like Huntsville as an example, and maybe Memphis, maybe Birmingham or Oklahoma City, two of those. And then I would take two that have stronger growth potential, probably Jacksonville, Florida, maybe the greater Chicago metro area. And I would do 250,000 each of those markets. And that's a lot of property, 250,000 is enough to acquire twenty to $30,000 per door as the minimum down payment. Gets you a lot of property. That's a pretty sizable portfolio.
2: Mm-hmm. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Thanks
1: for asking. So we have two websites. Our property website, where we have free information and the properties that are available, or at least most of them, are on norada noradarealestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. And then the sister website, where we also have a lot of articles and free content is the home of our podcast, and that is PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com.
2: Marco, I love catching up with you. You, you take such an analytical approach to it, but common sense and very easy to follow and understand. I love the three different kinds of markets, how you categorize them, cash flow, growth, and hybrid I like how you talked about what you'd stay away from and why, and why would you go towards a market and how to think about it in terms of a personal portfolio. So thanks again for being on the show. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to TenantScreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.